So, we're going to make this a little easy for, to start out by hand raising, all right? How many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Let me see them. Come on. Let me see them. I don't think that you haven't because I know you have. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, okay, okay. All right. All righty. Now, how many of you have been like me where you haven't exactly been successful in completing them? Get them. Get them up. Come on. Come on. All right. It's no need to be ashamed. A lot of us are most likely in the exact same boat that you are. It's so difficult to start something brand new, right? I mean, some of us, it's difficult to even figure out where to start. Well, this happens often to Christians when they begin reading the Bible. They have no clue where they should start first, nor do they know how to fully indulge into the Bible. Now, today we are going to do something a little different. We're going to do a workshop over analyzing the Bible independently. And this isn't just restricted to those who are starting to read. I'm sure this will help those who have already done in order for them to dig a little deeper. When analyzing the Bible, there is no one way to do it. Some people color coordinate with, while studying, or others find specific words and go off of that. I have recently printed off passages and have written down observations or questions that I've found. But instead of just showing the different systems and how they work, we are going to actually apply them. And you're John 1, 1 through 13. And it's not just going to be me that talks. Oh, no. We are going to interact where I ask you the questions and you get to answer back. But wait, there's more. Students, you are not the only ones who can answer. The leaders, adults, anyone can answer what they think. I put you guys in groups to make it easier for you to bond back to me. When I ask you a question, I'll give you some time to discuss and give me an answer. Although there will be a lot of questions where you can just yell it out. If we run out of time, that is perfectly fine because in small groups, you will be doing the exact same thing except with John 1, 14 through 18. But reading here does beg, beg the question, does it not? Why are we starting in John? Well, a wise person named Tori Hempstead said that John is a great place to start because you begin to learn more about the man who loves you and who died for you, and you can dig a little into what his life was like. So first, I'm going to read the passage just to make it familiar to hear through your ears. Cool. And it's up on the board conveniently, just for you. All right. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made that, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was come to the world. Let's see. There we go. And there it continues. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not leave him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born God. All right, great. So we've read it through. Now we're going to continue in pointing out the five W's and the H. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, how. For these questions, you guys don't need to discuss. You can just yell it out. So, who is this talking about? Sunday school answer. Ding, 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 and I heard it over here. Come on, guys. Come on. All right. So, what is this passage talking about? No. Okay, okay, come on, come on. Expand. Uh, what? What was that? What? What was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, definitely. Come on. All right. Because this passage doesn't give us a sense of time, we don't need to worry about the when nor the where, since there isn't an exactly stated place. Now, the why deals as to why it was written. Someone want to tell me what the purpose of this passage is? Come on, man. Come on. While that is a very good answer, God knows it is a very good answer. Come on, expand. Broad your horizons. Think about it. It is a tougher question, but just, just think about it. What? 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 Kind of, yeah. It's basically, it's basically to explain why Jesus came, like, why Jesus came down to earth. Now, I'm going to be a little easy, uh, an easier question. Why did Jesus come down to earth? Oh, wow, man, that was just, that was beautiful. Come on. Guys, come on, I'm begging you. This side is doing amazing. Come on, you guys, just yell it out. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And finally, the how. How was this done? How did the word become flesh? What? What? Yeah, God sent him. I like, I like her answer. But all of you gave very good answers. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you from this side. Thank you for answering. All right. I did this in, for us to, get, to, get, to go deeper. It, it's like a puzzle. Not very many people start in the middle. Some people start off, most people start off the four corners and, and work off there. So start digging a little bit and go underneath the surface by finding out who the author is. Can someone tell me who the author of the book of John is? John, which John? Which John? Ah, John the Apostle, right over here. Good job, good job. That was, that was amazing. All right. Now, can someone, let's just, let's, let's get those people who know the Bible really well. Uh, can anyone tell me a little fun fact about uh, who John the Apostle was? Cool? Cool? Yeah? Come on. I, wa I want to know all about him. I want to know all about him. No? Hear these mutterings and I can't understand you. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. It, 
Either way, you guys did give me some really great answers. When we learn about the author of each book, it gives us more of a chance to bond with them, to see what they're seeing. Now, as we continue to talk about John, I want you to look at the very beginning in your Bibles, and I believe I have it up here, and I do. I want you to look at the very beginning of John 1. Just, just look at it. I'm going to give you some time now to look. Look at the Bible up there or in your Bibles. Okay, now I want you to flip over to the beginning of Matthew, which I also conveniently have up there. All right. Can someone tell me the difference between John 1 and Matthew besides the fact that they were written by different authors? Look at the words. Yes, I like that answer. Very good, very good. Matthew starts with the family tree. It's factual, historical, and most times, let's be honest, it's the chapter we skip over, is it not? All right, yet it's still just as important. But when we look at John, author starts with a hook, with in the beginning. Now that kind of sounds like once upon a time, does it not? Now, what, does anyone know why John would start this historical book a hook? And that rhymes. Woohoo! I'm awesome. All right, why does it start with a hook? Does anyone know? This is. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's definitely, that, that's definitely the definition of a hook, so very good answer. Um, but what I used it as was it was a way to emphasize how God's been around since the beginning, and so has Jesus. Now, let's, just, let's continue on. We said that we believe that this passage is talking about Jesus. So that means that Jesus has been with God since the beginning, as it states. Um, he's known God before, even before the earth was created, and that's a long time. So can you imagine knowing someone for that long? I want you to think for a moment about the person you've the longest relationship with. You don't have to yell it out. Just, just put that person in your mind, that you've had, the person you've had the longest relationship with. Oh, yeah, and now you're talking. All right. Now, you know them pretty well don't you? You know your best friend pretty well. Well, you know what they'd want and how they would want it, right? Jesus had known God for forever, so wouldn't he be the best qualified in saying what God wanted for all of us? Now, let's, let's take it to the next level. God's known you before you were born. It states Jeremiah 1.5 that he knew us before we were even in the womb. He's known about you since the beginning. So when something doesn't go our way, shouldn't we be running to him knowing that he knows us the best and will do what's best for us? A penny for your thoughts. Next, we want to ask, what was John trying to tell us when he wrote this passage? Now, this kind of deals with the why, so if you want to, and if you are listening, you can repeat that answer. Wow. Y'all, you are great. I heard something. Oh, that's okay. 
Uh, so, this, so he wrote this because um, he wanted to explain what God, um, what God, God's plan for us, and that we were meant to become his children. And the price that came with it meant that his son would have to die on the cross. Whenever you are starting to read a book of the Bible, do a little research on the writer. It can give you a better context as to where they're coming from, making your interpretations, very nifty, uh, on what they could be saying more accurate. Now, let's start looking at the phrases, ones that stand out to us. One I would specifically point out is John 1.7. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. Now, here they are referencing a John, so know they're referencing John the Baptist, not John the Apostle. To move in a little closer, look at... A witness to testify. Man, that's really shaky. Um, what does this remind of? Witness to testify. Just give me some examples. Yeah, that's some examples. Court. Court. Yes, very good. Court. It's, it, like, it, it sounds like a, you're at, he's in trial or at a courthouse. So what is usually the purpose of a trial or being in court? While that... I, I do I do agree with that. It's normally the, the main purpose is usually determine the truth. We want to give justice where justice is true where d justice is due, right? Right. So um, here John the Baptist is put on the stand on what he thought Jesus. And John the Apostle tells us that he would that he would uh, tell the truth in stating who Jesus was and what he did for all mankind. For him, it doesn't matter what punishment is or the ridicule yep, or the ridicule he may get for saying the truth, he is still going to stand up for what is truth instead of what is false, regardless of what the judge or jury may give him. That takes a lot of courage, does it not? Here in just one line, we are able to see the enormous amount of belief John the Baptist had and how in his time he was willing to go against what the world was telling him in order to give a voice in a place of sin. I want you to think about this. Really think. Do you have that much faith? Now you need to answer this. This is rhetorical. Do you have that much faith in what you believe in that you would step up to the plate and speak up against the government, the world, everyone you know? There is a reason why John the Baptist was and is considered one of the most respected people in the Bible. And it's because of his steadfast faith and his unwillingness to bend to what the world wanted. Now... Why do you think John the Apostle would use this sort of analogy? Wow. What was that? I mean, yes, definitely. Like, that, that does play a factor. But it's because he wanted to emphasize the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. When we look at different phrases and comparisons being used, it gives us more of a visual, something to better relate to. Okay, 
So we've read it through. We've got our five W's and the H. We've talked about the off and analogies. Now we're going to look a little more closely at the words that are being written. K. Author, the writer of How to Study Your Bible, states that one of the best ways to begin reading the passage is by looking at the obvious. And one of the more obvious things to look for are things that are being repeated or words. Um, I've learned from reading literature and my Bible that a word is important when it's repeated several times. Take the word, for example. If someone tells you hurry several times, you are not going to stand around, are you? You are going to scoot your boots and get out of there. So I want you guys to point out the words that are being repeated more than not once, but twice. I'll give you some time to look for them. Word, yes? Wow. Man, yeah. Jesus. Y'all, y'all are funny over here. Yes, definitely. All right, yes. You guys, you guys have definitely pointed out a lot of them. Now, can someone tell me what the most repeated word in this passage is? Light? Yes, yes, definitely. Let's see. Ta-da. All right. In this passage, light is repeated seven different times. Can you imagine someone telling you to hurry seven different times? Hurry, 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 hurry. There would be chaos, running, screaming. The entire place would be in a turmoil. In turmoil. Sorry, my grammar. So with this being so important that it would be repeated seven times, what do you think it means? Ah, boom. There we go. A situation where that answer actually is the answer. I mean, very true, but I mean, in math class? Anyways, um, so, okay, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So how do we know that it means Jesus? Well, we can automatically rule out John being the Messiah because if you look down at verse 8 in your Bibles, it explicitly states it. And while we may not be reading this section, if you glance at verses 14 through 17, you can see how it explains how Jesus is a light. But you'll dig into that section later in your small groups. Now, something cool that happens in writing is when authors use colors. Did you guys know that different colors represent different meanings? Red means aggression, such as anger or love. Blue can represent wisdom or loyalty. And it's not just restricted to those definitions. It can mean much more. Let me show you. Let's take the light word, for example. Can you guys tell me the color of light? And think of light bulbs and the sun. Yeah, I heard yellow and white, which is very good because those were the colors that I was going for. All right, here's a fun little tip. Yellow can resemble immortality or youth. Since we've already stated that Jesus is the light mentioned, it can show Jesus lives forever and will never die. If we look at John 1, 2, so look at it in your Bibles, um, it states, he was with God in the beginning. While we know that he is referencing the word, if we look over at verse 4, the word represents who? Jesus. Very good. Very good. Now, there's also the color white. Can you guys name things that are white? Sheep? Yes? Yes? I heard, I heard snow, and I am taking that. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I'm looking for specific answers tonight, guys. 
All right. So let's just let's let's think about this. When you see snow, freshly laid, like three inches of snow that's barely been touched, are there usually any colors mixed in with it? Are there usually no. no, no, there's not. That was that was the correct answer. Is no. All right. So, and why is that? Because white resembles purity. This makes sense because Jesus never sinned. He was pure. Colors are specific details that help us get a grasp on the description of the subject at hand. Not only a physical, but a personal one as well. While the colors have different meanings in different contexts, here the yellow and white of light resemble immortality and purity of Jesus. Yet, as much as I've loved looking at the fun and factual side of things, such as colors and words, it's time to dig into the feels. Now, I know it's not every favorite pastime, but this is one of the best places th to give you a moment to look inside yourself and reflect. Whenever you are reading something, watch how you feel. If something makes you mad or happy, try to figure out why it is like that. If you really don't know, write it down. If you do know, write it down. The Lord may be trying to speak to you. When we write it down, we can also look back on what we wrote and relive those feelings help us connect more to God. I'm going to get a little more personal with this and ask you guys, what does this verse mean to you? Think about all we've talked about and how we've expanded on who Jesus was like and what John wished to say. While you are thinking about that, I will let you know what, what this verse means to me. God has known about me since the beginning, the choices I'd make, the woman I'd grow up to be. He desires to have a relationship with me because he knows, he knows me better than I know myself, because he loves me and wants to care for me in ways that I have not been cared for and then some. He whispers my darkest hour, giving me a light that shines brighter than the sun, and he tells me he will always be a lamp to my feet to guide my way. When I feel like I'm all, my, all by myself and alone, I do have a place where I belong. And it's not just as a friend, it's as his child, born not by natural descent or husband's will, but of God. Now, I want you guys to ask yourself, how does it impact me? That moment. While you are doing that, I have appointed two volunteers to come up and do a little bit of a demonstration. Let's give them a round of applause, shall we? All right. Would you very loudly like to say your names? I'm Julia. I'm Hallie. All right. Julia, I want you to bump into Hallie. Just bump into her. Great, great. Was Hallie impacted by Julia? Yes. yes. You guys may go sit down. Whoever said no, that is wrong. Wrong. All right. Okay, okay, okay. When I hear the word impact, I think of a boulder hitting a brick wall or a person bumping into someone else. It's so forceful and powerful. And in the aftermath, there's no way that wall or person can be restored to the exact way it was before. Now, I'm going to add in saying that not every realization is going to hit like a bag of bricks. But I want you to be forever changed by this. Impact means change. Enough change to where, it's going, to where going back to the way things were is not an option. So how does it impact you? 
Turn to your group, and after a little while, if others feel compelled to speak to, the, to all of the youth group, feel free to do so. You guys have got a little bit of time. Talk, talk, no? Discuss a little bit. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I think I hear some conversations die down. Does anyone, would anyone, now this is not, this is not, I'm not forcing you to do anything, but if you do compelled to speak to all of, all of Oasis, um, I'm going to give you some time to let you stand up and do so. It'll probably just be one or two people, but if you feel like it. Tim. Tim. Very good, very good. Is there anyone else? Very Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. All right. Anyone else? That is perfectly fine. All right. I, how does this act me? Well, it, it gives me more trust in him, that he has a purpose for everything. And while it may seem unclear, God is in control. What's more is I can't put God in a box. Before I started preparing for this, I was reading 1 Samuel and how the Israelites put God in a box all the time. Yet he still called them his beloved children. And that's how he thinks he. Now, for you guys, being in, and for me, being impacted doesn't just mean a change of words. It means a change of action as well. How are you going to apply this to yourself? How are you going to let this verse move and flow into your life, whether in times of sorrow or of peace? How will you let this verse in? Well, praying and reading your Bible is, is great, like it's beyond great. I want you guys to do something that will actually bring this verse into your lives. A reminder on your phone, writing it down on a sticky note or a poster, and putting it on your ceiling or on your wall so that it's the first thing you see every day. And those are just a few ideas that will motivate you to read your Bible and pray. So do you guys want to know the difference between New Year's and your Bible? New Year's comes once a year at the very end of the year, whereas the Bible is here always. It doesn't matter where you start, only that you keep going. 
while Satan and the world might tempt you to stop and on the wrong path. And there will be days that you will listen to them. That does not mean that you can't stop and change where you're going. God always has his arms outstretched for his dream, and he's waiting for you. What Courtney and Timothy have said in the weeks prior to this relate to each other so well and so much. How they've explained that God is calling out to you, yet you will be tempted by t- to turn away. But even if that does happen, knowing that you are still loved and cherished by your father as you are his child. So today we've studied the five W's, eight, the author John the Apostle himself, analogies within the passage, repeated words, the different colors to describe it. And finally, we've asked ourselves some questions to dig more into the heart. Studying the Bible can be a lot of fun. It really can. The more you learn and experience with God. What's even better is the more you read the Bible, the more you'll be able to back up verses for the different passages you've read. As I've said before, there's no one way to do it. As you grow more experienced in studying the Bible, you'll find your own ways to read and understand the Bible the way that fits you the best. I'm glad I was able to share this with you guys, and I hope you were able to learn so much from this.